0: You're listening to the Music Marketing Manifesto Podcast, where you'll learn how you can use direct-to-fan marketing strategies to grow your fan base and generate income from your music with no record label, radio, airplay, touring, or press. And I'm your host, John O'Jaka. All right, John O'Jaca here, and thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Music Marketing Manifesto podcast. This, I believe, I hope, I think, is episode number 25. So uh, we're going to be talking about um, an interesting new development. Uh, Apple has sort of inadvertently announced that they are going to be shutting down paid downloads so they're shifting completely to a streaming model and we're going to be talking about that because it's big news and and certainly it it has some people asking me as someone who is a huge advocate for uh, album sales uh, and a little spoiler alert that hasn't changed uh, but that has people coming to me saying hey so what does this mean so um you know it. Just, it just sort of broke recently. We're going to be uh, talking about that in a moment. And Scott James, a good friend and partner with me on a lot of different projects is going to be joining us for that. Just so you don't have to listen to my boring um, voice the entire time. But uh, before we get into that, I just wanted to uh, basically kind of talk about the podcast, talk about some stuff that's going on because You may have noticed that, you know, I said episode number 24. This podcast has been around for... Ooh, I want to actually. I don't know when the first one came out, but it's been around for a long time. So, Music Marketing Manifesto uh, was sort of a "quote unquote" and making big air quotes here officially launched in 2009, and and you'll hear me say that a lot. But the truth is, I actually first released an uh, a little ebook called Music Marketing Manifesto way back in 2007. So it's been a decade that I've been out here doing this stuff trying to teach musicians how to use uh, online marketing strategies, aka direct-to-fan marketing strategies, to to sell their music. And the space has really changed. It's kind of Sort of kind of hit the mainstream. There are a lot of others teaching these strategies and it's no longer this big unknown to a lot of musicians are starting to realize that this is the way forward. And throughout that process, um, I've, I've had this podcast, the music marketing manifesto podcast. I've, I've enjoyed it. It's been, uh, rather popular, uh, and, and, and yet, I've only all these years later only released, uh, as I said, this is episode number twenty-four, so twenty-three episodes, and that's because I never really set out to, um, to to create, and again, air quotes here, a show. You know, I never, I never said, hey, I'm gonna, I'm gonna put out a podcast and release an episode once a week or once a month or whatever the case was. It was just a medium for me. I enjoy the, you know, the the audio format. In another another life, I was probably a talk t- radio show host or something. But I enjoyed this medium. So when I had something to share. Uh, I tended to fire up the microphone and uh, and release a podcast episode. I also have a lot of friends in the industry with interesting perspectives, so I'd interview them. And it was it was just a uh, an avenue for content, but not a again with the air quotes show. Um, but that is about to change. It's something that I've I've developed an increasing passion for. Uh, I've I've been doing some podcasting in other spaces and just really enjoy it and. I've had my head down for a bit, frankly, uh, when it comes to music marketing manifesto. I've been r- really busy, but you haven't heard from me a lot. And that's going to change. I- I'm, I'm, I'm. Kind of, uh, uh, rebooting the podcast and we're gonna, we are gonna turn it into a bit of a show and start releasing fairly regular content. I haven't settled on a, on a format yet. It'll probably be again, either once a week, once every two weeks or once a month. We'll see how it goes. But I'm also gonna get a little bit, uh, loose with the format in the sense that previously, whenever I did put stuff out, it, it was usually fairly long. It was a long form, hour long kind of show, uh, that usually featured an interview, but, but that, is going to change as well so I'm going to kind of allow myself to go wherever I want with this. Sometimes these will be 10 minute episodes. Sometimes they'll be special longer shows with interviews. But for the most part, they're going to be um, smaller short form shows uh, where we tackle one subject. So you can get a little, a little, you know, a meaty bite sized chunk, you know. So there'll be maybe, maybe 20 minutes, maybe 30 minutes, maybe 10, who knows? Uh, We'll take a lot of questions. And uh, if you want to submit a, a question, for the show, you can head on over to manifesto.com forward slash submit dash a dash question. You know, that's too long. Let's change that to manifesto.com forward slash questions. And I'll go and create that link in a bit. But you can submit a question there. I'll use it on the show. Uh, and that's kind of what's, what's happening. So I wanted to um, get that out of the way, explain what we're going to be doing. And, uh, yeah, that you can expect a lot more content and we're going to be changing things up a bit. So if you enjoy the show, especially if you enjoy the new direction, uh, you know, do me a solid head on over to iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, wherever it is that you listen to this podcast and leave a rating and review because those things really help. Uh, they help uh, show others that this podcast is worth listening to. So if you do that, I'd appreciate it. It will ensure that more episodes get made. Um, so I think. Uh, again in the name of of this of of the short form let's um let's we're going to take a brief break um and when we return um, my buddy Scott James is going to be here on on the call with me and we are going to chat about this new development with iTunes and the inevitable shift away from uh from from sales from downloads back in a sec You're listening to the music marketing manifesto podcast All right, we are back. So uh, once again, John Ojaka here and on the line with me is Scott James. Scott, how you doing? I'm good, John. How you doing, man? I am good. I've, I've probably had a little too much coffee, but otherwise, <laughs> I'm, I'm good. So um, for anyone who's new around here, hasn't heard your voice before, why don't you give everyone the 15-second sort of uh, rundown on who you are and what you do? okay well uh i've
1: worked with musicians for years as uh, a web designer blogger and personality profiler and um partners with you on our upcoming project called tune pipe
0: yeah yeah and you're you're my resident um scott i don't want to sit here and talk into a microphone all by myself guy <laughs> well, thanks Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thanks for making it so I don't have to sit here all by myself talking into a microphone for the whole show. And more importantly, so that listeners don't have to just listen to me um, talk the entire time. But anyway, we are here today to talk about some sort of breaking news, Um, you know, somewhat inevitable breaking news, because I... Uh, Apple has somewhat inadvertently announced that iTunes music downloads will be shut down. So it was it was in an interview uh with Jimmy Ivine, my old ANR rep over at Interscope, um, and and CEO of the company, uh, who's also an Apple music executive. Um he was in a BBC interview and I'm trying to find the quote, and I think the interviewer had asked about um whether or not, you know, they were in fact phasing it out because there have been rumors floating around for a while. Um, and he, he said that it was inevitable ultimately. Um, and in regards to the time, the, the time scale, he said, quote, if I'm honest, it's when people stop buying. It's very simple. So basically, they've confirmed that, that downloads are going to go away, which is fairly big news. And it, and it has a lot of people kind of coming to me as the guy who is a huge advocate for album sales and insists that, that, uh, you know, the, that as independent artists, we still need to focus on album sales. It has people coming to me going, "Hey, well, what does this mean? Does this does this mean you're going to change your tune on all of this stuff with Apple kind of shutting down the sales side of their business?" Um, um, so you know, it's big news. Uh, I certainly have my my two cents on it. But uh, what's your what's your take on what's your reaction to this news?
1: Well, I guess it shouldn't be surprising, but it, it still is, you know, a little bit of a shock to hear that, uh, iTunes is getting rid of downloads. Um, I mean, I personally haven't bought a download from iTunes in quite a while. I've been a member of, uh, Apple music for, uh, months now and, uh, there's really no need to buy downloads from iTunes. And the, the only downloads I've bought have been direct from the artist, sure. So, um, yeah, so I guess it is a, a little bit surprising, but uh, then again, not really. Right, so right. Uh, I guess it was inevitable. So, uh, yeah, what's your take on it?
0: Well, I mean, you, you know, you kinda, you kinda touched on the meat of the matter there where you, where you said, yeah, you haven't bought any new music except for independent music, uh, in the, in, in recent months, ever since shifting to streaming. And I think that that, well, you know, I think a couple of things, you know, like you said, it is, it is, it was one inevitable, but two, it is still a bit shocking because it marks another major change, you know, in our, in our lives, we went from vinyl to, uh, well, I guess,
1: I don't don't really remember vinyl.
0: Oh, really? I do remember vinyl. Um, oh, yeah,
1: actually, no, that's, that, that's not true. I do. Of course, my parents had a record collection. Yeah, it was, what am it, talking
0: about? It was <laughs> my parents, but I think my first album was Devo. Um, uh, Devo's, what was the, the one with it on it? I don't know what the album was called, but um, that, and that was vinyl. That was my first, hey, I want this album. And my parents came home and handed me uh, an actual record, but pretty quickly it was all cassette, you know, certainly as a, as an 11 or 12 year old out on my, on my mongoose bike in, heading into town to buy my first album, it was a cassette. And then a few years later, it was CDs. And then, uh, uh, then of course, in, well, I was gonna say recent years, but it's been a while now, you know, we shifted to iTunes, um, and digital downloads, and I more or less stopped buying physical albums unless they were from independent artists. Uh, and then, you know, in more recent months, it's been, um, streaming. So I have, I have one of those Amazon echo things and, uh, it's synced with, uh, Amazon music. So I stream that way. Um, But, um, there is, there's a, you know, and this is, this is the crux of everything that I've been stressing for nearly, uh, uh, you know, a decade now, uh, is that there's a huge difference between the mainstream music industry and the independent music industry. And I don't think it was always this way, I think. And I think that's part of the reason that there's a lot of confusion. I think, I think that traditionally the way the music, industry ran as you put out a record and then you'd go out and, and engage with the world and do everything that you could to draw awareness to you as an artist and more importantly your current album so that you so that people would go and buy it um, and independent artists did their best to do the same thing and frankly really struggled at it because it's very hard to generate that much awareness for a, a brand or, or product when you have the small budget that most independent artists have but then they internet came along and really kind of changed things. And it's, it's taken a long time. You know, we're still not there, but it's taken a long time for independent artists to, to start firmly, Grasping how to use this fantastic tool to monetize their career, and and I think that's the difference. As independent artists, we f- we succeed by building an audience and then monetizing that audience. As a mainstream artist, you succeed by creating so much brand awareness that it leads to uh, income opportunities. Whether that is as a as it was a few years ago, purchasing albums, or whether that's now streams. So again, the record label spends millions of dollars. In in most cases, generating so much awareness through all many different forms of media that people add you to their playlists and they stream your music a few years ago it meant that they'd buy your music and but we as independent artists who have much 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 smaller budgets often that budget is just a few hundred dollars if that uh we 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 will never compete we will never succeed uh with that model we will never get enough streams we'll never sell enough albums it's just it, it's going to be nearly impossible the only thing that will kind of work on that scale is touring but that's sort of a trap you know that we can't most of us can't do that forever we can't Spend forty years on the road, Um, and the second we come off the road, you know the the income stops. However, uh, you know I've been pushing this model for, as I said, almost a decade now, in which um, the idea is that we we essentially and this is for everyone who's kind of new here. Maybe some of you are tuning in for the first time, but we we drive traffic. Uh, to usually a landing page where people can sign up, get some free music, and a relationship begins. And we use these different automation tools to continuously communicate uh, and build a relationship with each new fan. Well, again, sort of one-on-one, one fan at a time, once more, using automation tools so it is scalable. And then we... we pick our moments to ask for a little bit of financial support throughout the year. So with that model, you know, again, the buying triggers are very different. People are supporting us because frankly, we've built a bond with them and we're asking for a little bit of support. They become our patrons, you know. Of course, this 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 uh, reminds us all of that very successful and growing, uh, increasingly successful uh, platform, Patreon, that is that is um, uh, succeeding based on a similar model or at least similar principles. And of course, crowdfunding is based on similar principles. But if if, if we remember that, if we remember that that is our goal. This news really doesn't change anything. And in fact, I kind of like it because one of the big hindrances for me as someone who has been setting up campaigns for other artists and frankly, teaching thousands of artists how to do this stuff over the years. One of the big hindrances is Apple and Amazon and, and these uh, other bigger uh, direct purchase platforms and it's very uh, difficult for me to convince say an independent artist who comes to me who wants to put out an album that they shouldn't release their album on iTunes but um, or, or Amazon or any of the other sort of download platforms, but it's a lot easier to make an artist understand that they, they should at least consider pulling back some of their music from the streaming platforms because as, as everyone can, you know, easily understand why, you know, no one is going to buy your music if it's already in their pocket and available for free. Um, so I guess, you know, long story short, I don't, I don't really see this as much. I don't see this as having any impact on us. In fact, it might help us because I think it helps drive a deeper trench between the mainstream music industry and the independent music industry. Our biggest challenge is really getting individuals, fans... Potential customers to understand that, look, we have it hard, but we are creative people that have this calling and are endeavoring to go out and build a career as an artist. And in order to do that, we need their support. We need their attention. And I think it's going to make it easier to get that attention, to get that support. When we have a black or white music consumption, uh, universe where it's either you, you get it on the streaming platforms or you get it independently. What, what I think does need to em- emerge and we might need to create it, Scott, is some kind of a universal player that can, uh, because, you know, n- even if you create an app, it's not ideal to, to just, open an app and play one artist's uh, songs through whatever Bluetooth device you've got. You know, we like to have all our, all, all of our music kind of in one playlist. We do, someone needs to come up with some kind of a nice universal app with special uh, download links that, that we as artists can give to uh, fans. And then they, they click the link, it downloads it to their player and they can import other sources of music all in one place. I think that would help us. But aside from that, I don't, think that uh, this really changes everything i think it just further drives home the fact that we have shifted from a a purchase model to an access model and um, you know that that's 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 what we as independent musicians are going to need to Embrace if we're going to succeed because with small budgets, if you're going to go out and try and make a living off of streams, you're, you're toast. Um, mm. you know, you lightning might strike and you might get incredibly lucky. And there are certain genres that I think tend to do a little bit better, you know, children's music, sort of music that works well as background music. But even then we're talking, we're talking pennies unless you hit some pretty significant amount of, of awareness and at that point, you can start talking about whether or not it's time for your brand to evolve from independent marketing model to mainstream marketing model, because, you know, they, these are different steps uh, it, within the same career. You know, th- th- it is okay to shift from independent to mainstream. But again, here at Music Marketing Manifesto, we're focused on giving independent artists um, models uh, that... that uh, marketing strategies that they can use to ultimately thrive. So I don't know. Any of that makes
1: sense? <laughs> uh, yeah, absolutely. And, and um, yeah, I'll just interject that, um, you know, I, I agree that it's really uh, for independent artists about starting relationships with your fans and and asking for sales. And uh, I've seen independent artists try to adopt a mainstream branding strategy. Sure. I have one client spend over a million dollars on TV advertising. Wow. And it yeah, it it does not work. Um I've heard estimates that a consumer will need to be exposed to marketing at least nine times on average before they're going to make a decision to buy. Mm-hmm. So that's extremely expensive to try and do that, to try and plaster your name everywhere. Because I think some artists, you know, I've had some artists uh, who I worked with who took out magazine ads and if you're, you know, if you're adopting that kind of a strategy, you really have to hit people hard. You can't just buy a magazine ad one time or buy uh, a, a TV ad or something like that one time. You have to really bombard people to make it work. You have to have a big budget. Right.
0: Well, and even then, the problem as well is that you can do all of that, and even if it's effective, even if that million dollars had led to market awareness for this artist, there wouldn't be that bond that would lead to the financial support that he or she ultimately was gonna was gonna need. They'd if if somebody saw this artist's name. Nine times, and then and thought to themselves, "Hey, I'm kind of curious about who this this person is. Where would they seek them out? With that kind of a a call, with that kind of uh, an allure, they'd they'd head to the streaming platforms, and that's how they would seek to uh, engage with the music. However, if that if they had signed up for that person's mailing list and got a peek into their lives and spent some time reading a blog post or watching a video and, and getting these personal emails in their inbox from this artist, they maybe left a comment and the artist came back and replied. Now this person to some extent is their friend. And, and when that artist says, Hey, I need your support to keep doing what I'm doing uh the 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 willingness to lend that support it it just goes through the roof and the customer value with this kind of model is just tremendously tremendously greater um when with the old model or, or even with the current mainstream model Success is making a very, very small amount of money from a huge number of people, whereas with the independent model, it's making an extremely large amount of money from a very small number of people. It's not um, in any way uh, inconceivable that you might make $20 uh, in profit per per fan with the independent model. You could make more if you start introducing things like house concerts and things like that. Because again, we're monetizing each fan over and over and over. It's a it's a long game and especially when you get into things like Patreon or, or your own private membership site where you've got these monthly recurring models. And frankly, I think that's that's really ultimately where things are going to be going. And uh, we'll talk about that in another episode. Um but uh imagine charging five dollars a month to a thousand People, you know, you've got sixty thousand dollars a year coming in off of that relatively small audience. But a thousand people even uh, listening streaming your music on a, at, at a pretty feverish pace is going to be, you know, very, 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 very small amount of money by comparison so yeah and, and, and in order to make that kind of money to make any kind of money uh, on a small scale like that with a relatively small audience which is the only thing that we as independent artists can really control and that's been a huge issue for me is is being able to succeed on my own without the need for a, you know, of a million dollar budget or a record label or 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 lightning striking or any of these other things that I've had to rely on in the traditional music industry uh, if, if we are going to succeed with that Model with that small fan model, we're gonna need that bond to exist between us and our fans, and it's not gonna exist if we embrace branding strategies. So, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know,
1: yeah. And then, one of the things that you I, didn't explicitly mention, but you know, implied throughout is that uh, when you adopt your strategy, you actually have a way to follow up with the fans. Of and course. for years, yeah, you know, yeah. where, whereas if you're just relying on streaming and a branding strategy, then uh, they're not going to stick.
0: Right, right. Absolutely. Well, it, OK, so we said, you know, or at least I said that I was trying to embrace the short form. This is actually something that Scott was kind of telling me in, in one of our conversations. Like, OK, John, you're good at the long form um, and uh, but let's work on the short form. And and that's part of the idea with this podcast. So I don't want to just ramble on and on and on um but i also want to make sure i've covered the issue is there anything that i'm leaving out is there anything that wasn't clear in my thoughts How, do you walk away from this you know kind of confident that that there that this move this that this announcement from apple um doesn't change anything for independent artists uh, what what else can i add to this before we wrap up
1: um, yeah, I, I think that covers it. I mean, I guess just the uh, one question I would ask is what, how, what do you advocate for artists in terms of uh, streaming? So do you advocate that they mm. put some older material up or what's your thoughts on that?
0: Yeah, that's, that's, that is a bit of a challenging one. And I don't really have a one hard and fast principle. Everyone must do this. And this is the only thing that makes sense. Um, and, and there are artists who, you know, s- streaming does make some sense. or or makes more sense for than others, I should say. But my opinion, I'll I'll tell you what I'll likely do on my next album whenever I get off my button. and release it. I've been saying that for a while now, but um, I will release another album. Um, Is that I will probably take three songs and release it um, to the streaming platform so that it is out there so that people can add it to their playlist so that if I have the potential for, for some uh, revenue that, you know, that it will come in. Um, and more importantly, so that, yeah, so that, the fans continue to engage. You do want people to be able to find you. That's how they're listening to music. So you want to have a presence there. But you don't want to take away the incentive to buy the album or sign up to your your membership site or whatever else it is that you're ultimately selling. and and I've heard it time and time and time again from from artists that we're doing well. Then they released their music to Spotify or whatever, you know, all the platforms. And then the sales stopped and they'd get really nice emails from fans, uh, whenever they'd send out an email saying, Hey, you can buy my album here saying, um, Oh, thanks so much. I, I you know, I actually already have it on Spotify and, and it's great. And they don't know that they just pulled, you know, 10 bucks out of your pocket. They, they're not thinking like that. They're just trying to be supportive. And why should they buy if they've already got it? So you, it's really, I think it's really key that if you're going to monetize that. Uh, fan base, you need to preserve the incentive for that fan to spend money with you, but you also want to have a presence in the platform. So my music does actually exist on the platforms, but that's because record labels own all of it. And I had no say, uh, over any of that. But with the, with the next album, I will, um, I will probably release somewhere between one and three songs from that album. And then I'll, I'll keep the rest back and. I'll look at in time, possibly somewhere down the line, you know, as in years later, releasing the entire album, um, to those catalogs, just depending on how much music that I release. But anything that is, uh, current that I'm going to really be using to generate income to, to monetize that audience, I'm gonna, I'm gonna pull back and I'm going to, um, yeah, u- use it as minimally as I can because I, for me, as, as someone who's going to be going about the next album very indie. Uh, I don't anticipate you know, seeing hundreds of millions of streams, uh, frankly, at all. Um, and yet, you know, 5000 albums sold at full price, or like I said, 1000 people paying $5 a month, whichever model you sort of ultimately embrace, that's real money at the end of the year. And it's certainly enough to justify continuing and releasing more music. So that that's kind of my attitude on it.
1: Cool. Yeah. And one thing I'll just interject is that, uh, there's a reason why the movie studios don't release things to iTunes and Netflix while movies are still in the theater.
0: For sure. For sure. Yeah. We call that windowing or, or I should say they call that windowing, but I've written several posts on it and talked about it. And in a couple of my uh, courses, windowing is this, what you just described with how the film industry takes that content they've created and they release it um in a way that's advantageous for them to make the most money possible. First it goes out in theaters where they're making the most amount of money in a concentrated period. They're creating incentive for people to get out and see it because there's a small window there. Um, and then it goes to the the digital platforms where you can buy it on download. Uh, buy it on download buy it on iTunes. You can download it on iTunes. We'll <laughs> see we'll see how long that's available. Um, and then after that it goes to the streaming platform. And uh, then sometimes, uh, sometime after that, it you know gets rebroadcast on television, and and they they make as much money as is humanly um, possible doing it that way. And that's I think that is a good representation of how we as musicians need to start thinking about our uh, content as well. Awesome. All right, I think that's us. So so our, so this is the first sort of short form MMM podcast. Uh ho- hope you guys enjoyed <laughs> it. If you, if you did, uh again just a reminder to do me a favor, head on over to iTunes, leave a rating and a review. Uh, I've got uh, a bunch of new episodes, uh, all ready to go. So, uh, hopefully next week I'll, I'll get another one out and, uh, you'll, you'll be getting much more, uh, frequent episodes of the Music Marketing Manifesto podcast. Thanks Scott for, for being here today. So I, I didn't have to be so lonely <laughs> <laughs> and until next time, uh, thanks very much. Thanks. Thanks Scott. Thanks for listening. Thanks for me, John Take care. Thanks for listening to the Music Marketing Manifesto podcast. If you'd like to learn more about how you can market your music using the direct-to-fan strategies discussed on this show, then head on over to musicmarketingmanifesto.com and sign up for your free copy of the Music Marketing Blueprint. Once again, that's musicmarketingmanifesto.com.